Hi, I'm Valerie Steele, Director and Chief Curator of the Museum at FIT, the most fashionable museum in New York City. Welcome to our Fashion Culture podcast series, featuring lectures and conversations about fashion. If you like what you hear, please share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag #FashionCulture. So I'm just curious to get a sense from each of you uh, over the course of your careers. How have you seen the industry change in the way that it accepts models of color? I think that fashion is cyclical. One season they love you, one season they hate you, one season, you know, it's too fat or too skinny or too dark or too light. But what I've seen from the time that I got into the industry is that there are more and more models of color, more and more models of different sizes, certain seasons, and then not at all. So instead of being considered as always part of the standard of beauty, we're mm -hmm. sometimes part of the standard of beauty. And that's what can feel hurtful sometimes. When you started in the industry, and around what, what period was that? I started in 1986. 1986. Mm -hmm. So that felt like a period when there was a, a significant amount of diversity. It was in a the tipping industry. point. It, it was a tipping point. point because you had a bumper crop of young designers who were all about, you know, diversity and mm -hmm. different looking people from Gautier who, you know, was doing, you know, he had transgender models, he had young people, he had old people, he had people of different heights, people of different weights. So he had an incredibly diverse runway. And then um, there was kind of a, and there was a youth quake too, because all the Vogues were taken over by younger editors and street style and different looking people started to come in. And then Time Magazine had that, uh, was it uh, 90, 89 or mm -hmm. 90? Mm -hmm. That cover story, The Browning of America, okay. remember that? Okay. And it talked about how America's population was shifting to be more mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. color. And I think that influenced the market a lot. Bethann, did you feel like that was a continuation of what you saw starting to happen when you came into the modeling world in the late 60s and the 70s saw this really sort of wonderful period of models of color? Did you see that as a continuation or did you feel like what had sort of been great in the 70s suddenly sort of came to a halt? and then it had to be all started up again. I'm so glad you made that question. So good, full of answers. <laughs> because I, that's interesting. Um, it, was a, it, it was always a, a journey. It's always been a, a struggle to keep things going. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, it is a continuation. It was a continuation. I have to say it was. Uh, but we were, you know, you, you, someone had to be aggressive and keep things going, but it was happening. We had photographers who like uh, kids of color boys and girls we had as Veronica Bruce Weber was one of the first people to photograph Beth Ann oh yeah well that's when he wasn't a, he wasn't he was just an up-and-coming photographer mm -hmm. he wasn't he was just trying to be a photographer at that time and we would go out every week and take pictures and stuff like that every Saturday they went to Central Park she learns she learns she learns she's loving that she learned so the fact of it is is true I mean when Veronica came along there was a time we had a, I had a model agency at the time, so it was a very interesting moment to sort of like, I came from an agency that was beginning to help make things like that happen, but we had an, a, an opportunity to really make it happen. And it was a good time because we found great people. And it was a beginning of change. It was a continuance of great change, and that was very a very good time. Do you find that there is a particular 
sort of piece of the industry that sort of serves as the pressure point. And by that I mean, is it a, a group of photographers who are excited about women who look different from what they've been shooting? Is it a young designer who just sort of wants to stand out and as a result chooses a different path? Are there, I mean, is there any particular segment that really can push the needle? You know what's interesting? I've always found, especially at the time that I was doing what I was doing, I think it's, 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 it's a combination of things. It's finding that right images. We found girls and boys who really were a moment of change. Mm -hmm. And then we had photographers and people in Europe who began to mm -hmm. like the change, especially with what I was doing at my company because there were a lot of young photographers and people who really were interested in something different. So we had the, we had the, we actually had the product. We had good models and interesting models. So that became a great thing. And I think if you have the photographers, you have uh, you know, the designers, you have the models, you have everybody's feeling this at the same time and you can keep educating people. Hmm. It was a very interesting time because it, it, at that moment there was times that companies like Calvin Klein or, or Perry Ellis, they would have 35 white girls and have no one of color. Right. But it didn't mean it wasn't happening already someplace in Europe, but we had to push Europe, because Europe too, people said, oh, you should go to Europe. But a lot of times that wasn't happening in Europe. And, and then a certain girl came along. I I'm always very proud of what, when someone like Veronica came along, because I'm sure she nor I ever thought that her image would be as big as it was in Europe and being accepted, I mean, by someone like Ray, who was Comme de Garçon, who never had anyone of color prior or after. And always, like I like when designers, like when Yves Saint Laurent had Marion Womble, he always opened at men's show. Well, that's what Ray did with Veronica. She always opened her show. So these are signature moments that seems like it's a happening, a movement. It's genius, it feels great. Well, speaking of signature moments and Europe, uh, can you, can Riley, can you talk a little bit about sort of your sort of breakthrough in the industry, which was really via Europe, via a, uh, an Italian designer. My breakthrough was with Ricardo Tuski, with Givenchy. That was my first job, and it was not so shabby. Not so shabby. <laughs> girl from Detroit, but um, it for sure blindsided me because I wasn't really aware of the industry before I came in. I had the people that I looked up to. I had the few designers that I seen, I'm and I was aware who of who you looked up to as you were looking um, from the outside in? I mean, I won't lie because I'm a 90s baby. <laughs> the only person that I was really aware of at that moment was Naomi Campbell. At the time, did you have a, a sense of how big that was and also just what a big hurdle it was to have this young African-American model being so out there in front at Givenchy? I had no idea. <laughs> I, I do remember crying when I found out, but it was just happiness that I booked something in New York because I had just moved here and mm -hmm. coming from Los Angeles, I was here for, well not here in, L in LA for like two years. And it was real like, oh, you're so high fashion. Oh, you should go to New York, but they weren't booking. So it was like, okay, you're telling me I look great. You tell me I'm beautiful. So I was like, okay, let me go to New York and give it a try. Not really knowing what was going to actually come out of mm -hmm. it. And then for that to be 
what came out of it, I was like, okay, I know I heard this brand before. I can't pronounce it right right now, but <laughs> <laughs> it was for sure. I took it in. I knew it was a blessing for sure. But then also to add to that, this wasn't she wasn't doing a runway show. What she was doing it was it was an advertising, mm -hmm. and that's a, a huge difference. And to tell us about that distinction. Well. To your point, I mean, the pressure point always, I think, is designers, because fashion starts with the clothes, with the designers. The designer has to want the model. And then once the designer has a model that they can dress and the model can bring their clothes to life, then they need a photographer who can photograph their clothes and make them look great so that more people than just the people in the room can see the clothes. And then advertising is like the sugar plum of modeling. That's where the money is. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest thing to get to. It took me probably 12 years of my career, like working every day on every run, proving myself on every runway, flying all over the world, proving myself in every kind of editorial, working in every kind of condition, uh, to and you know over and over again publishing great pages and still for very much of my career it was they don't really like people of color in advertising no one really wants to use someone black in their ads so sorry you know and, we love you but we can't that blunt about it I mean, people, we talk yes. about shifts in the way that people deal with race and how it becomes more subtle, but it sounds like people were quite blunt. Well, in our industry, it is blunt. It's not like, we don't sugarcoat things. We don't have time for that. It's not like you're sitting there, say, in certain arenas, in certain areas, in certain industries, you just would never say that. In our industry, it's an aesthetic thing. So we have to speak in color. We have to speak in size. We have to speak in color of hair, skin. We speak very bluntly because we got to get to the point, get to it. But back to this. This was interesting to me because what happened is that we discovered a new face and it was in an advertising. And at that time, there wasn't, like Veronica said, there weren't many advertisings coming out right then with girls of color. And that was just the beginning. When she said before about tipping point, that's what it was. So to see this girl that no one knew who she was, and, and you know, Ricardo, he, he, he prides himself on discovering, being in the street, looking around, always trying to see something different. And to see this girl and a dark girl you know, and it, it was, it, it helped us a lot. It really helped us a lot. And that's the thing that's really, you know, the money you get, she probably got a buck 47. But the point of it really <laughs> is, it's not like she worked hard for, for 10, you have to work 10 years to get maybe a thousand. But you know, you get very little, but what it does for everything, for her, for us, for him, mm -hmm. it said a whole lot. Well, well you, uh, I'm sorry, Robin, not, not to, not to no, uh, no. interrupt you, but what it does a whole lot for, it's like, you know, I always say I think my mother dressed us so beautifully when we were children and made all our clothes because she never had a doll that looked like her, right? And when I grew up, I never knew a world without looking at a magazine with Iman in it or Beverly Johnson. Mm -hmm. And even though, like, I felt like I could never be as pretty or as glamorous as, as them, you know, it still gave me something that I felt like I could aspire to. You know, like if I keep working on finding my beauty, I'll be a beauty like one of them one day. So for little girls to grow up and they see you now and you come out of Detroit just like I do, you know, out of, you know, probably nowhere too fancy. I didn't come out of anywhere too fancy, you know, and be a symbol of aspirational luxury, aspirational mm -hmm. lifestyle. You know, you are entitled to present yourself any way you want to as the best of the best and get anything you want out of life. And one of the things that you had just mentioned was the, the importance of your being a darker skin girl, a darker skin model. I mean, is that 
and those subtleties still part of the conversation? As you said, it's not all so about aesthetics. No, not so, so much now because mm -hmm. of the fact that the good news is that when we talk about models of color, we're getting models of color. So there's uh, varying shades of models of color. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much hesitation. There's a time, you can understand why when advertisers say, well, you know, she's too light, because they need to really represent the market they're playing to. And if a person's too light, they won't be identified necessarily as black. And it's important. You know, everyone's not African-American, per se. Right. I'm not, not African-American. So the fact of it really is, is that it's important to sort of say, that girl is definitively black, so you can see a dark skin. So they play to that. But in this particular landscape right now, I'm very proud of what we've created, because it, it's, you know, we got varying colors, and they're light, and they're very dark, and they're brown, and they're and they're um, curvy, and they're, well, and they're long I'm, and lanky. Well, I'm still I'm sticking with models, and not models of diversity. They're not that that's, curvy. <laughs> <laughs> There's curvy girls well, out she's there. Talking about, she's talking about the that's plus. I'm true. not talking about the plus. I'm fighting mm -hmm. for the girls who ain't plus. So the the thing of it is, is that that's what's really important. Really, the diversity of colors has really been good, and you've seen it now. For sure, since I started. When I first, it's not been that long, it's probably been almost three years now. Mm -hmm. And when I first started, it was it was a few of us and it was the ones that were doing it for longer that were on top like Jordan and Joan. Mm -hmm. But from my generation, it wasn't many, but now it's like a her and it's a beautiful thing to see because mm -hmm. like I said, I wasn't able to really see much when I was younger, except for Naomi. I seen you when I was growing up, I seen the Kiaras, mm -hmm. so now to see the shift because I do feel like it was a stale moment where it wasn't so much diversity mm -hmm. but now I see the shift so it's an amazing thing because I see so mm -hmm. many girls just from the city and they come from different like you know different backgrounds different yeah exactly yeah. so it's it's a good thing to see now do you feel like we're getting to a point where you know the pendulum really can't swing back because of shifting demographics just within the country, a shifting group of people who are buying luxury products. I mean, just fundamental shifts in what the country, what the world looks like, that to swing back to could, something that back. is homogenous. It could swing back. You really think so? Oh, absolutely. Sure, because that's also part of the way that fashion uh, refreshes itself, that, mm -hmm. it, that it breaks its own rules and it does the contrary. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, in this current climate, who knows yeah. how far things are going to swing and which way they're going to swing. Cause and we pray that it doesn't. That's what we have to fight. We have to constantly be on it. We have to constantly think about it, talk about it, keep the conversation. And the great thing is that in this particular climate, there is such big conversations about race because before it was just us talking about it. You know, you weren't hearing it a lot. When, when, the, when the crime starts to happen and Black Lives Matter starts to happen, then you start hearing big conversations. But in truth, you, what she's saying, it, it can happen, it can swing back, we're just gonna hope that it doesn't. And we have to do things about it. Well, you I mean, you bring up a good point uh, uh, related to that because of things like Black Lives Matter and the you know, political climate, um, all of those things that people, I think, tend to see as outside the realm of fashion. Right. They see, I think a lot of people tend to see fashion as this very sort of hermetically sealed world. Can you talk just a little bit about that connection between fashion and the broader It's landscape? not no longer fashion anymore. Now it's part of pop culture, so it's not what it used to be. What it used to be that she knew, it's not like that anymore. What it is that she now knows, she's part of popular culture. And what it is is that it's part of that, that, that membrane that I really basically, I, I, I being a 60s growing up kid, 
resent it terribly, and it's just changed. But it, you have to flow with the times. It's different. It's it's pop culture. It's not I think, fashion. Yeah, I think Beth Ann is talking about how um, social media and music videos and all these things have influenced fashion so deeply. And I think everyone is self-publishing now. And anybody who wants to be part of fashion and have a voice in fashion mm -hmm. has really, in the palm of their hand, the power to become um, a muse, an influencer, mm -hmm. um, someone who directs the conversation of fashion. And it, I think that's interesting though, Bethann, because imagine Okay. I guess imagine, I guess go further. And, and, and I don't <laughs> resent it because I think it's like I think it's she like when the She's iPhone younger. update comes out, what are you gonna do? Even though you don't like it, you gotta roll with it because you don't well, have a choice. Good that she's so speaking about what, that and you're that's right. That's what's happening now. Like I got a magazine. On going the subject on. she's thinking about, that's that's very true. It's good for people who want to get further and they can promote their own selves. I'm talking mm -hmm. about editors, magazines, I'm talking about those who are influenced by the other and that they have to go with it because that's where the power's laying. That's what I'm talking about. I mean the power lays The power lay. of the outside world. Mm -hmm. It's no longer a private situation. It's no longer a show that people can't come into. Anyone can come into a fashion show right now. That was never like that. When she modeled, you weren't even allowed. It was a, we were a really a private little island. Mm -hmm. It's not like that anymore. The island is still there, but it's very full. So that means anyone. We have editors and people who now look to social media and to put people in the place of models because that person has an audience. Do you think that makes it more more difficult for fast quote unquote fashion or not for fashion but for, for models? Fashion? My interest is models. models yeah. For models. Right, because you do have these outside forces that can now make their voices heard, that can say, I want to see models that look like me and they can get that message, they can direct that message straight to a designer or a photographer people or another model. People want to look like their friends. People want to look like their friends. People want to look like people who feel glamorous and whose lives feel rich and beautiful. And I mean rich in terms of experience. Mm -hmm. So I think, I, you know, I don't resent it at all. I think it gives so many more people a chance. I think it gives so many more people <laughs> <laughs> it at all. I mean, I'm totally for it. This is the way I feel about it. Um, She's saving her life. <laughs> She's not wrong. I'm not against the people who are the social media people that come up off of it. I'm not against them. Because you're a digital I don't knock native, them, yeah. as they say. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not a big fan of it either. But yeah. I'm not, like, I don't knock them. But with the designers and the stylists, my thing is, I don't think they really, really remember and realize how much power that they have. And I want them to continue to be the people that inspire us, the people that make the trends, don't follow the trends, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. it's fine to use one or two girls or a few, how many ever, but still give us the opportunity too. You know what I mean? So, it's I don't no knock one, it, because yeah, I understand the way that. it works. Social media, you know, they, these girls have millions of followers. They are, they have great personalities. Mm -hmm. People click with them. I'm all for it but still give us that opportunity too. Don't ask me how many followers I have at a casting. I'm told that recently by mm. a, a model agency that that's falling back a little bit now, that that's not becoming so pertinent anymore, how many followers a person has. That's falling back, which is interesting to hear because that, you know, that means that a, a, a model may have a certain amount of followers that's more than another girl, so that job may go to the girl who has the most following, meaning they have an agency and they are in well, the Well, circling back though, does that, does that make modeling more diverse when you have all these other reasons why you might 
pick a particular That's what I think. Model. I think no, it, it makes modeling make it. more diverse. I think it gives people who we haven't even thought about yet, who look different, who have a different point of view, but who are very much part of that lively, big conversation of fashion. Mm -hmm. It gives them a platform. It gives them a voice. It gives them a way to be seen and heard. And, you know, let's not forget, designers are always going to direct the conversation when it comes to fashion, because we do not have any clothes to put on without not them. designers. I it's really stylist. think so. Stylist, that's when the style, the model sits there, the model comes in, the designer's there, you know who tells him who's going to get in? The stylist. The stylist is a total person. They have all the power. Who comes under the stylist is the casting director. Mm -hmm. Who's underneath the casting director? This is things that we've learned along the way. It's all changed. It's not like it used to be. When she was a model, yes, people can, isn't this great that it's three different generations? Mm -hmm. When she was a model, you came in, she became a muse of the designer. The designer looked at her, went crazy for it. Veronica put on this, and all the assistants were around her, and they would say, let's book her. And they called me, and they book her. That's not like that anymore. Now it's about an outside person that they've now hired who's now become powerful. And also, then there's another person that goes around the world searching for models every day. It changes the business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the diversity is happening, thank goodness, because they've leaned into the possibility that girls of color can work. That's important for us. But I'm still fighting for models. I'm not interested in the outside world. I'm not interested in that. Why? I guess my, my last question, which probably sounds very simple, but I think uh, it's a question that a lot of people don't really have an answer to, which is why is it important to have diversity in modeling? Oh, it's, it's just because and the images. The first thing you see. Well, wait, oh, and, sorry. And, and I say this only because there have been so many other arenas in which there's been a lack of diversity. And you can sort of feel this cultural groundswell. You have, you know, people leading protests in front of corporate offices. You had the whole Oscars So White campaign. And it became this sense of urgency. And I've yet to see that kind of broader sense of urgency when it comes to fashion, when it comes to models. So, you know, there hasn't been, there are no pickets. You know, there's no... Well, uh, I don't go right? Well, there's no... Like, there, oh, you, you uh, talk to me, baby. That, <laughs> and, <laughs> outside of the fashion industry from, you know, people who pick up a magazine. Oh, I you mean, mean no, there's no boycotting. Exactly. Not, not pickets, boycotting. Exactly. Yes. People's, there doesn't seem to be that same kind of massive cultural groundswell. Well, the problem with fashion is that it's everywhere. Well done. Yeah, it's the well, the problem with, you know, picking a particular flashpoint to to boycott in fashion is it's everywhere all the time. It's not mm. like the movies or the Oscars where, you know, you have a billion people who are sitting down in front of the TV at one time looking at a single event. Or mm. so, you know, that's it's it's really sort of it's very difficult. It's yeah, yeah, but the reason why it's important to have diversity in fashion is the same reason that it's important for a child to have a doll that looks like them, right? It's the beginning of building your self-esteem. It's the beginning of creating a fantasy life about how you're going to be as an adult. And then when you see, when you grow up seeing other women outside of your family who are in a position where they're pictured, you know, doing every job, traveling the world, looking beautiful, li in environments where they're being, you know, completely respected and they seem to be in charge. And that's, that's the image that you're looking at. I think that really helps little girls to grow up and say, you know, I can, I can, right. yeah, I can make my own money. I can have my own job. I can make my own decisions. All right. 
Okay. I'm, you're going to go last. <laughs> okay. Okay. Riley, what, what, what's your take on that? Um, just piggybacking kind of on what she said. Like, it's very important because we do need someone to look up to. So that's why it's so important even for me, not because I don't care about the fame, but to get to the platform and the level that I want to be able to reach out to the people that I do want to reach out to, mm-hmm. I'll need a little of that, you know what I mean? Like for me to get to all those millions of little girls to tell my story so they can see that they can do whatever they want to do, even not even little girls, little boys, whoever, you know, um, it's, it's very important. You need to be seen. Exactly. exactly. It's very important because if they don't see it from us, they, so from where I'm from, it's, I know a lot of people that have this mindset we all are from there mm-hmm. and they have this mindset where they feel as though we are there for a reason we are struggling because this is the life that we're supposed to live I'm mm-hmm. never leaving Detroit and this and that yeah I look wrong I talk it, wrong yeah I'm and, just wrong exactly and sadly they think that way but that's only because just some of them that. just haven't been exposed to a mm-hmm. better life they see it on TV, but this is just TV to them. So I thank God. Sorry, don't bleep that out because I'm a very strong believer. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think they're going to believe it. <laughs> I thank God that I was blessed to be able to know that this is not my story. I'm not about to stay here and be stuck here. I'm going to go chase my dreams. You could see beyond the borders. I saw beyond it. I knew that this was not my life. I was down, but I always knew it was up, up, up. So... I feel like it's so important because when you can relate and you see somebody from the same culture and background from you doing something amazing, it motivates you and it puts you in a place like, okay, I can do this. She's doing this. She's doing it. I can do it too. But if you don't have it, then what do you have to look look up to? You know, you see these people on TV. That's not you. That's not your life. You didn't live that life. You didn't. You weren't born rich or doing this and traveling the world. You were born right here with this little spoon and this cup of whatever noodles. <laughs> You know, you made your way to right. get to where you need to go. So, I think. Well, I, and I'm happy that both these young ladies are someone who recognizes the fact that what images does for anyone of color to be seen. Uh, but my my objective, a reason for diversity being important, is to educate white people. I'm here to educate white people. Uh, it's not for me. I you know I came out of Bethesda Stuyvesant as a little girl growing up in a black neighborhood. I was lucky. I was always very secure. Everyone isn't, and they're right. But the most important thing to me for the image of, of girls of color or boys of color or images in advertising to be seen is because it helps to educate the minds of those who are not of color. That's my, that's my objective. And that, once I get that mind educated, then we got it. Then we can go forever and it'll never go back. But until I educate those minds, I'm going to always have a problem. Oh, don't look at me like that. No, that's interesting. No, and, and don't. And don't you know, I was, that was like a very a good yeah. exclamation point. That was a look of I have, I have nothing more.